welcome to the JNMP podcast. My name is Elizabeth Hyden and I'm joined today by Professor Antonino Oncini from the University of Chieti in Italy. And we're going to be talking about his recent paper in the JNMP alongside fellow authors um, looking at the Zika virus infection and um, GBS syndrome, uh, a review which focuses on the clinical and electrophysiological subtypes. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today, Professor Oncini. Uh, yes. Yeah, I am. We've heard a lot about Zika virus in the news, um, especially over the last couple of years. Um, but admittedly, I've heard very little about its association with Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that association? Yes, uh, as probably everybody knows, Zika virus is a flavivirus transmitted by a mosquito, the Aedes aegypti. Zika virus was first identified in Uganda in a forest and was identified in a monkey, in a sentinel monkey of a network monitoring yellow fever. It was later identified in Uganda in humans and then small sporadic cases, small outbreaks were reported from Africa and Asia. The first large outbreak of Zika infection was reported from the island of Yap in Micronesia in 2007, where 75% of the population were affected. Subsequent small epidemics occurred in Southeast Asia and Pacific Islands. We should underline, anyway, that the symptomatology of Zika infection is usually mild and characterized by fever, skin rash, conjunctivitis, muscle and joint pains, headache, and the and is considered essentially a benign and self-limited disease without symptoms, with symptoms disappearing usually within one week. So this, essentially, this infection was spreading around our globe for a long time without giving a lot of trouble. However, in 2013 and 14, in French Polynesia, there was an outbreak of uh, Zika infection that was uh, accompanied by an increasing number of subjects with Guillain-Barre syndrome. In 2015, clinicians in Northeast Brazil reported an unexpected increase in the numbers of adults with GBS and babies born with microcephalus. The next year, in February 2016, the World Health Organization declared a public health emergency of international concern and called for research about the causal relationship between Zika virus and congenital brain abnormalities and GBS. So there were, during 2016, many reports, single or small cases, but we have two uh, large series, one from French Polynesia and one from Colombia with the first one with 42 patients and the second one with 68 patients. These two series and also an analysis from seven Central and South American countries demonstrated a close temporal relationship between the peak of the Zika infection and the occurrence of GBS, which is one of the requisites necessary to establish a causality connection. Up to now, the virus spread to 76 countries. That is the current data from World Health Organization. So it certainly seems like, I mean, it's been around for a very long time, but actually only recently has it begun to become associated with neurological disease. Um, it'd be interesting to know more about what sort of why it, um, or the prevalence of neurological disease associated with the Zika virus. And that's a very interesting question, actually. 
The first but trivial explanation to me, it's, uh, they may be due to the rarity of the neurological complication combined with poor surveillance systems and limited diagnostic resources in some countries. So essentially, the neurological complication was not reported. Other explanations which are more interesting to me are the emergence of more neuropathic strains as the virus spread from Africa to South Pacific and then to Latin America, or different susceptibility of human population in developing the neurological complication. But that's a really very interesting point. Absolutely. I mean, how many cases of Zika virus present with neurological disease? Up to now, in various countries, the incidence of Zika-associated GBS is estimated to be 2 to 20 times higher than in the pre-Zika era. And the incidence of GBS is one case per 4,000 persons infected by Zika virus, which is less than the, what we know about the classical GBS associated with Campylobacter jejun infection. In, in, in this case, we have one case per 1,000 infected people. Now, this number seems to be a small number, but it should be considered that the global spreading of Zika virus infection and the millions of people that could be potentially infected. This increase in Guillain-Barre cases may overwhelm the healthy system in some countries, which may not be able to respond quickly and efficiently to an increased population of patients needing hospitalization and specific and expensive treatments such as plasma phoresis or intravenous immunoglobulin. Anyway, the low number of people with neurological complications suggests that Zika virus alone may be not sufficient to cause the neurological complication. And again, a different individual susceptibility should be considered. So um, the increasing number of people who are to be potentially affected, obviously this is a serious concern, particularly in, in countries that may not have the resources with which to handle it. Um, so, so I suppose from a sort of health or clinician perspective or, or patient perspective, what are the characteristics of the um, Zika-associated GBS syndromes? Well, from the two larger serious uh, reports from French Polynesia and Colombia, we have some information. The antecedent viral illness was reported with a median of six, seven days prior to the onset of neurological symptoms. And interestingly, in 20 patients of the Colombian series, they developed neurological symptoms during or immediately after the Zika infection. This suggests more a para-infection rather than a post-infection pattern. The post-infection pattern is typical of the uh, classical GBS. And also in this series, there was a rapid progression to the nadir, to the worst of symptoms of the disease, and a short plateau phase, and that are shorter than what you expect in classical GBS. Another difference was an eye proportion of facial palsy, which are 50-60% bilateral, bilateral in this patient, and which is more in line with the demyelinating type of Guillain-Barre syndrome that is called as acute inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy. Again, about 30% of cases, uh, there was a respiratory involvement, and uh, 
in about 31% of patients, there was some autonomic involvement. That These numbers are higher than expected in classical GBS. On the other hand, regarding the mortality in the Colombian series was 4%, and 57% of French Polynesian patients were able to ambulate independently by three months after the disease onset. Both these numbers, mortality rate and speed of recovery, appear similar to what we have in, in the general GBS population. Finally, up to now, there are no evidence that Zika associated to GBS respond in a different way to the classical treatment as intravenous EG or plasma exchange. So they are treated in this way as the usual GBS, as the general, the classical GBS. So how do you propose moving forward with establishing links between Zika virus and neurological disease, and, and how much do we still not really understand? Uh, the World Health Organization has already stated uh, last year that uh, there was scientific consensus that the mosquito-borne Zika virus was a cause of neurological disease such as uh, GBS and microcephaly. Anyway, up to now, this causal relationship is mainly based on temporal association of symptoms of Zika virus infection that preceded the onset of GBS. Regarding the opposite that is called the cessation principle, principle in surveillance reports from six countries, we have uh, the evidence that the incidence of GBS declined as reports of Zika virus infection fell. Another element of the causality principle in epidemiology is called the, the exclusion of alternative explanation. Well, in some studies, other infection has Campylobacter jejuni, mycoplasma pneumoniae, Epstein-Barr virus infection that are known to trigger GPS were ruled out. Regarding the biological plausibility, that is another dimension of the causality principle, Whereas for microcephaly, there are studies suggesting that Zika virus disturbs, halts the neurogenesis in the developing brain, affecting the neural precursor cell and ultimately leading to apoptosis, we don't have this biological evidence in GPS. Antiglycolipid antibody, mainly against Asialo GM1, uh, were found in 31 of patients in the French Polynesia study, but the typical acute motor axonal neuropathy pattern was not found. And uh, proof of molecular mimicry between Zika virus antigens and Thialo GM1 were not really found. This raises doubts about the significance of these antibodies in the pathogenesis of Zika-associated GBS. But it's still possible that uh, Zika virus peptides may trigger a cross-reactivity between the virus and the nerve, but we, still, we need still a lot more uh, to do about uh, molecular mimicry and Zika virus. Now, because the start, short delay between Zika virus infection and GBS, an hyperacute immunological reaction, possibly followed by a previous, previous flavivirus infection, or a, a direct neurotropic viral effect on the nerve fibers have been hypothesized. So essentially, there is the possibility that is essentially is the virus 
by itself that induce the damage. Another important and uh, debated issue is the possible role of cofactors that might act in the presence of Zika virus to induce GBS. GBS. Now, it's interesting that Zika virus is spreading in countries where other flavivirus as dengue and chikungunya are endemic. And as we reported in our review, both dengue and chikungunya infection have been associated with the occurrence of Guillain-Barre syndrome. There is cross-reactivity between dengue and Zika virus antibody. And this is a problem for diagnosis, for serology in, uh, in the diagnosis of Zika virus. But it's also an, an important uh, uh, problem because it has been described a phenomenon that is called antibody-dependent enhancement mechanism between dengue and Zika virus. This means that when antibodies developed against a prior viral infection, let's say dengue, this antibody binds to the virus particles of the subsequent closely related virus infection, uh, such as Zira, and brings and leads to an enhanced replication of the virus and potentially a more severe illness. This is a very important uh, uh, issue and should be confirmed because it could be a, a, a great problem for vaccination campaigns against different flavivirus because essentially uh, the vaccination against uh, one virus will induce a more severe disease with others. In summary, there is, we can say that there is sufficient evidence to conclude that the Zika virus is a trigger of GBS, but we currently know very little about the pathogenesis and there is a long way to go. Essentially, what we need are animal models to understand better the pathogenesis. I mean, it sounds like your paper as well, it's, it's a very good overview of what we do and we don't know, and particularly on the sort of subtypes that can be um, seen in the Zika virus and GBS. So thank you very much for, for taking the time to speak to me about your work today and for publishing your work in the JNMP. Thanks to you, Elizabeth, and greetings to all the readers of JNMP. So that was um, Professor Anthony Noncini from the Department of Neuroscience, Imaging and Clinical Sciences at the University of Chieti in Italy. And um, his and fellow author's review um, is in the JNMP and is available now for free download on jnmp.bmj.com. And thank you very much for listening.